0: we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder canada's former top general chief of defense Staff Rick hillier who knows about war and brutal oppression having led canada's military in afghanistan where the taliban essentially enslaved the population and summarily executed anyone who opposed them and are executing afghan interpreters who worked with the caf and who the canadian government has failed to rescue and we've talked to them on this program general hillier told us just a few weeks ago that he strongly supports the establishment of the no-fly zone over ukraine that ukraine's been asking for in order to interrupt and challenge the russian barbarity against the civilian ukrainian population And provide air support for the ukraine military on the ground general hillier is back with us on the roy green show general good to have you have you with us how are you sir
1: hey roy i'm well and thank you for having me back glad to be here
0: you're working with the ukrainian world congress i understand and general you're calling on the federal government to deliver more military support to ukraine the government argues it's done all it can after sending 100 million dollars plus in military assistance, and they've noted another five hundred million in the federal budget for more aid, but they haven't said how they'll actually fulfill that promise. I know they've some artillery. What do you? What do you telling? What is telling the federal government of Canada they need to do for the for the people of Ukraine and the Ukrainian military?
1: Hey, do anything, do anything. We're not doing enough. You know, you look at Mariupol there, and you just flash back to Srebrenica, and and most Canadians or many Canadians will remember that name out of Bosnia. We're a, a horrible encirclement, encirclement and then a brutal assault and then execution of people inside took place in the thousands. And that's what we're seeing in Mariupol times 10, times 100. And, and we're really not affecting uh, what's happening there in any way, shape or form. And so what I would say to our government, do more. Look, I, I said yes to the artillery, but, you know, make sure it's at least 18 to 30 uh, guns and all the ammunition to go with them, including precision rounds. And if we don't have them, buy them. And, and take 200, 250 of our fighting vehicles right out of the army with a spare parts package with ammunition, and send into Poland, transit them into Ukraine, and get a Ukrainian brigade from the Ukrainian Defense Forces, outfit it so they can go fight right away. But do anything to give Ukrainian Ukrainian Defense Forces a chance to defend themselves against a brutal ons- onslaught, which is going to continue until it succeeds.
0: So we're doing a lot more talking than doing.
1: Well, you know, it's easy to talk. Uh, we we talked about a uh, half a billion dollars in the budget just over two weeks ago now. Not a penny of that has been spent. Not a penny of that has been spent. In fact, most folks in the bureaucracy don't know if they've got to wait till Parliament passes the budget, which could be weeks and even a month or so away. And then they start looking at companies that would produce things as opposed to just buying what's available that Ukrainian defense forces need. So, look. Do something and, you know, cut to the bureaucracy. We're at war and, and and let's face it, you know, our sanctions are great. The financial and personal uh, things that we've done to constrain the Russians and, and Putin and, and the people around him are great. But actually we need to have a sense of urgency because otherwise Ukraine is going to fall. And and at worst, even at best case, Ukraine is going to have its towns and its cities, you know, battered into rubble. And if you've ever seen any of the towns and cities after a war, uh, and I remember walking through Vukovar in eastern Croatia, and it had been just destroyed totally. Well, that's what's happening to all of the towns and cities there. We should be trying to help make a difference to that.
0: And the Ukrainians continue to fight, continue to stand, continue to not surrender. In fact, Mr. Gurin, who was on the air with us at the top of the uh, show, General, was talking about the 1,000 or so Ukrainian soldiers who are um, hidden away and as much as they can be in that massive steel plant in Mariupol, and he talked about 500 civilians being with them. And he pointed out that the civilians, in many cases, are the family members of those particular soldiers. So those soldiers aren't going anywhere, and they're not, he said, they're not going to surrender because they know what the Russians will, in fact, do to to the families of the soldiers. And and I'm looking at what's happening in this. You have far more understanding than I do of this situation. But my great concern is the human costs. Human beings are being displaced by literally the millions, thousands upon thousands being bombed and assaulted on the ground by the Russian military. And we're saying, well, we can't really get uh, get in the sky. We can't have a no-fly zone because Putin has nuclear weapons. You've said you'd put that no-fly zone, in effect, in a heartbeat.
1: You know, Roy, one thing about Putin that you can base pretty much everything on, is that he wants to survive. And he knows that if he uses a nuclear weapon, his survival, his chances of survival are going to be zero. I mean, look at, this is a guy who's had numerous plastic surgeries, you know? So he's a vain, egocentric kind of guy. He lives on vitamins. He travels with a massive team of doctors. He sits at the end of the table 30 feet away from anybody to avoid any chance of catching COVID. This is a guy who wants to survive. And and if he threatens to use a nuclear weapon, We should know that it's a hollow threat and and that he's doing it to put fear in us and to make sure we don't do anything. And so far, we've followed, you know, his direction on that one. And my point would be, listen, we've got to do something for Ukraine. We're fighting uh, this invasion. We're trying to help people who are being destroyed, killed in their thousands and tens of thousands, displaced in their millions. as you said. I, I think the last figure I heard was 10 million Ukrainians on the move, either outside of the country or inside and it'll be years before they'll be able to come back, even if Ukraine is successful in defending uh, against the Russians and ejecting them from their own country here. So, look, my heart goes out to those soldiers and their families. My Lord, they have been courageous. My goodness, they have been valorous. And, and it's quite incredible to watch. They're fighting for their families. They're fighting for their homeland. And they need help from the West.
0: So your sense is, if there were a no-fly zone, and the former NATO Supreme Commander, United States Air Force General Philip Breedlove, is calling for a no-fly zone. If only he had a humanitarian no-fly zone over the western part of Ukraine, but he's calling for a no-fly zone. Your sense is, if we did that, Putin would not be reaching for the proverbial button.
1: Uh, that, that is my sense. Obviously, you cannot predict 100%. So there is risk in everything that we do. But there are ways of doing this. You know, put a no-fly zone over the humanitarian routes on the western part of Ukraine. Ukraine, And, and, and announced very publicly, communicated to the Russian people, not just to Putin. Uh, we're there to defend people who are being killed on a daily basis. We're not there to attack Russia. And then secondly, take all the air defense equipment that we can get, high, long-range, high-altitude stuff. If any of it's in the west part of Ukraine, put all the stuff out of the west and crank into the eastern part of Ukraine and use that to create a no-fly zone for the Russian Air Force in a different manner. And I think those combinations would allow the Ukrainians, therefore, to be able to fight, to be able to defend their land and their families, and maybe just survive and then get stronger and eject those Russian soldiers from their soil and then rebuild over the next years and decades because it's going to take that off. I believe we should have a no fly zoning.
0: General Hillier, why are we not stepping forward? the way you're saying we should, and I agree 100% with you. Uh, now we have Putin warning the West, including Canada, to not supply Ukraine with offensive and or defensive weaponry. He's warning Finland and Sweden should not join NATO. Why are we not standing up? What is it, is it politics? Um,
1: I, I, I'm not sure, Roy. You know, back in World War One, at the start of World War One, the German soldiers used to call the Canadians lions led by sheep lions led by sheep and they were talking about the soldiers were incredibly courageous and powerful and 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 they hated to fight them but the leaders the senior leaders the political leaders were weak they were the sheep we changed that dynamic in the first world war and the second world war and i guess what i would say is now we need some of our leaders to be lions we need them to take control and say hey we're going to do this we're just not going to talk about doing it we're going to give the money Uh, And we're going to take that money and we're going to buy things and ship them to Ukraine. And we're going to do it in a matter of hours and several days, not weeks and several months. And we're going to do that to give them what they need to defend themselves. Because right now, if we don't give it to Ukraine, that gives, as President Zelensky said, that gives Putin, you know, almost carte blanche to continue the war. Because if he sees the West is not stepping up, then obviously they're not going to support Ukraine in a manner that's serious. You know, the United States has done some wonderful things and continues to do it. And the the munitions they've sent in, the armaments they've sent in have been wonderful. Britain has done exactly the same. You know, little Estonia, uh, uh, you know, one thirtieth the size of Canada in GDP and population and richness has put in three or four hundred billion dollars worth of weapons. Canada legs far, far behind. We need to do more and we need need to do it quickly and we need to do stuff that Ukraine needs to survive.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.